to blade and braces, twas on the 9th of June, 1862, on a summer's afternoon. We took the bus from Bamboo's, and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collinwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Oh, Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode number 136. It is your boy Elijah Newsome subbing in for Greg because he's out there traveling. Uh, stay safe, Greg, if you hear this. And, you know, Newcastle United, they have played today against Aston Villa and it was a draw, which is better than a loss, but it's not as good as a win. And to break things down, I've got our main man, our site manager, someone you might not have heard in a long time, the great Brian Nelson here to join me. Brian, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm unreal, Brian. How, how do you feel? Just quick first thoughts. Uh, if you could give me one word to describe that match, what would that word be? Boring. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. All right, uh, Brian, where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, I have two Twitter accounts. I use one more often than the other. Um, you can follow me at Brian Nelson on Twitter. And you can also follow me on Instagram. Oh, at, at Brian Nelson. Oh well, yeah. See, I'm dropping the Instagram. Whoa. Too. That, this is the yeah. first time anyone's ever dropped an install on the pod. Okay. I'm, I'm about uh, it. Hey, man. get the, get your followers up. Um, but yeah, uh, for, for those who want to follow me, it's at Elijah underscore newsome. Um, but if you're a long time listener, you've heard me say that over 136 times so no need to bring it up again um and real quick uh be sure to follow the uh, podcast account at chn underscore radio and the main account at coming home in ufc and of course as always be sure to check out the main site um some really good stuff being written today well not today but this week um by by the team um zach pinsack as you know who hosts the false nines which while you're listening to this the false nines also just dropped so listen to that as well um, he started a new series called A Match in a Moment, so check that out. Um, and that's going to be something that everyone's going to be contributing to, as well as fans. So if you read that and you say, hey, I want to do this and I want to submit my own Match in a Moment, go ahead, DM any of us. DM me, Brian, the CHN radio account, the Coming of Newcastle account. DM someone. Um, Andy Hayes wrote um, two really good pieces, uh, a match report against Sheffield. So if you want to reminisce on a Newcastle win, check that out. And of course he wrote an article about Steve Bruce and the language around it, sur- surrounding him, um, which is really interesting because we're hearing a lot about how great of a, a manager Steve Bruce is, but how true is that? And then of course, um, by the time this podcast comes out, um, you'll probably get another review either done by hand Andy or by Graham. So, um, that's all the boring stuff done and dusted out of the way. Let's get into uh, everyone's three words. So, of course, Brian, I, I, I know that you're familiar with um, the CHN radio account and people and asking, not well, not people, but us asking the people to react to every single match in three words. And fortunately for us, there's a ton of them today, Brian. So bear with me. You don't have to do anything. You just have to listen <laughs> to them. And if you hear one that's like, all right, that's stupid or blah, 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 feel free to comment. So anyway, let's start things off with um, hashtag Ashley out. Um, we're halfway there. Um, at Mark McCauley one, he says boring as F. All right. So starting things off, uh, our boy Don with the Black Lives Matter in the, in the uh, name as well. Um, a, fa- a very, very, very popular fan of ours. Um, at Smick Ultra, that really sucked. Joe Terry at Joseph Terry, we are back? Question mark. Mighty Mags at M Nesbit seventy. Normal service resumed. Tune Army America at Tune Army America. Wasted Gale goal. David Campbell at Dave eighty three C. Premier League survival. I, I guess. I mean, like, I feel like we're. I guess he's saying like we're we're safe. I mean, I don't know. Um, no now. That's. That's Jordy talk. Um, at I'm happy 1862, happish with that. Which again, Brian, do you think happish is is Jordy slang or is he just like misspelled happy or she? I think he I think he's going off of his own dictionary. Oh, 
Yeah, I think, oh, I think that's his own take. dictionary. We don't know about. We're going to get a lot of complaints um, if this is, in fact, Jordy slang and we're just butchering it. So um, yeah. there's that. Um, and then we've got uh, Darren C. at Dazzle Cole, crap but safe. Chris Philcox at Fire Philo, Philo maybe. Um, bring on Takeover. James Bradford at Bradder83 says need a finisher. And Garfield Thelonious Remington III <laughs> at Roscoe G. Barrel uh, said lacking Twitter highlights. Brian, if you could describe that match in three words, what three words would you use? Uh, slow but positive. Oh, okay. And honestly, and this, and actually, like coming off of that three-word segment, I do want to mention it does feel like for the first time in a long time we didn't have someone who's completely misunderstood what three words meant and has submitted six or seven words or a GIF or something like that. So, um, to our followers who are following us on Twitter, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, thank you for listening this time. All right, so let's move into lineups, Brian. Um, and just so people can know, um, off the top of your head, lineups were announced. Um, and I, I'll go through them both. Uh, Newcastle went with a, and honestly, we can get into this, but honestly, a little bit surprising from both teams. Um, so we'll start with Newcastle. They went to four four one one or four four two, whatever you want to call it. Um, a kind of modified four two three one with Dubrovkin goal, Mankio, Lascelles, Fernandez, Rose is the back line, Richie, Shelby, Hayden, and Alan Saint Maximin as your midfield with Miguel Amaron sitting behind Joel Linton. This, of course, is the exact same formation that Newcastle ran against Sheffield um, with the exact same players um, this past Sunday. So they got about three days rest and back at it. And then uh, West Ham started Samada. Oh, sorry, I should probably say the formation first. They actually, and which is interesting, they went with a 4-1-4-1 um, instead of their typical 4-3-3. Um, and we'll get into why they did that um, when we talk about match play. Um, but... Um, what they did, they had Nyland in goal um, over Pepperina, and uh, Matt Target, Tyrone Mings, uh, Courtney House, Ezri Conza um, as their back line, with Douglas Louise playing in that midfield, that holding midfield road. Trez, Trez, Gwet, Trez I can't say this guy's name, but everyone calls him Trez, so we're just going to say Trez was out wide with Jack Grealish and John McGinn um, in the mid, in the middle with El Ghazi out wide as well, with Samada being their lone striker. So, again, went with the 4-1-4-1 instead of their typical 4-3-3. Any initial thoughts you had when you saw this lineup, Brian? Um, yeah, I think you, you saw the conversation I had yeah. with Graham and Andy on how rotation, um, I think we should have rotated. I think it was um, an interesting choice by Bruce to say, oh, well, it worked, so I'm going to do it again. Mm-hmm. It... <clears throat> I don't really know. I feel like Aston Villa is one of those clubs that you can confidently rotate against. Mm. You didn't need to use your best team against Aston Villa. Um, I think Dwight Gale would have been fine up front, giving Joe Linton a break to be like, I want Linton ready for Man City. Uh, I think that we probably could have used Lazaro maybe yeah. starting. So I like, give some of those guys a start. I, I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot by using our top players two days, two matches in a row. That's kind of a an iffy decision. Yeah, and something that no other Premier League team has really done uh, since the restart. Um, everyone's yep. kind of – I mean, and to be fair, a lot of teams haven't even played their second match yet. But of the teams that did um, play two matches, they really haven't gone with the same lineup. It's pretty unorthodox. And um, I, I remember when this first was dropped, I saw a lot of people who were able to justify it. I think – all of us kind of on the site kind of had the same kind of worry about rotation, um, especially because it felt as if you could confidently rotate, like you said, Brian, against Aston Villa. Um, but there were a lot of people who were in support of it, a lot of journalists who were like, it makes sense from Steve Bruce. He kind of hinted at it yesterday um, because he essentially believes that, like you said, um, the one, the players feel as if they can play, that they're fit, and two, um, he really liked the, the synergy between the guys out there on Sunday and wanted to replicate the same thing against Villa today. I understand where he's coming from, but also rotation, rotation, rotation. Um, and so uh, whether he likes it or not, he's going to have to rotate um, against Man City. So we'll talk about that mm-hmm. after. But first, let's hop into the actual match play. So I do want to point out a couple things. So um, first things first, both of these teams uh, like to sit back. They both would rather hit you on the counter. Um, and so that made 
like it was a recipe for a pretty boring match and that's kind of what we got uh, with both teams during certain spells looking slightly more dominant but at the end of the day both teams sat back heavily um, and their their tactics heavily relied on defending um, and so it started off pretty much in West Ham's favor um, within the first 20 minutes they already had two chances um, there was two balls swung in from the right uh, the first one found Trez he hit it wide from like six yards out that should have been a goal just completely missed it and then El Ghazi crossed the ball and Samata Samata who headed it wide as well who Samata that's happened to him multiple times it's probably been one of the most frustrating things to see as a Villa fan is uh I mean it's unlike Joel Linton where Joel Linton seems to not really find goal scoring opportunities until recently um and then um but Samata is in these goal scoring opportunities he just doesn't score so there was that and um honestly that was pretty much it um until about the 24th minute um Aston Villa got their first set piece of the match which was important because um, yesterday, John Joe Shelby was interviewed um, by NUFC.com, and he mentioned, well, not NUFC.com, but like the team, um, he mentioned that one thing that they were looking to do is limit Aston Villa's ability on set pieces, and so, um, which of course is ironic, but um, that is how Aston Villa scores against Newcastle, and that's how they won uh, in the reverse fixture. That's how Aston Villa scored the majority of their goals this season. It's all been set pieces. And uh, Newcastle did try to counter this by essentially having all all of their available defenders um, defending the set piece. This was one of the first set pieces I've seen in a while where Newcastle didn't have anyone free up for the counter. This would have been the perfect team to counter against because their center backs are injury prone and don't truly, not injury prone, but mistake prone and don't really track back. But, you know, let bygones be bygones. Um, El Ghazi takes the free kick. Um, that was won by Jack Grealish um, just outside the box. He hit the wall, and like I said, there was no one to pick up the rebound. There was about one or two Villa people back defending, and there was no Newcastle player in sight. And with the pure pace of an Almiron or an ASM, um, you could have easily had some sort of opportunity as well. So first 25, 30 minutes, Brian, any thoughts from you on, on how Newcastle played? Um. I thought that Newcastle was really passive to start the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Villa kind of took advantage of that with, like you said, their set piece within the first 30 minutes, their their shots on goal. Um, but I'm never really concerned with Newcastle's defending. Yeah. So I, I was okay with that because I knew that at one at some point they were going to start finding the opening and Newcastle was going to start the counter. Because yep. you have the speed, like you said, with ASM, with Miggy, you can, you know, counterattack and they're going to be right up that pitch. So... I was waiting for it, and it took a little bit longer than I wanted it to. Yeah. But definitely uh, really passive for the first 30 minutes. It yeah. kind of concerned me a bit as to whether or not Villa was going to get an early lead. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they didn't. Yeah, um, I, I would agree 100%. Actually, the only real moment Newcastle had in the first 30 minutes was Miguel Amaron, um in a, in a in ter- normal run of play, uh, was able to swing in a ball. It was cleared. It was, it was a nice ball. There was just... There was just no one in the box, really. To well, there were people in the box, but there was too many defenders in the box for it to be any sort of have any sort of effectiveness. Um, so after that first thirty minutes, for the next ten or so minutes, um, really until the end of the half, it was all Newcastle. Uh, Matt Ritchie in the thirty-second minute uh, started getting heavily involved. He swung in a nice little cross um, that went just above Jolinton's head and out. Um, and then after that, uh, Newcastle were able to pick up the ball. Um, after a, just a mishap with clearing the ball. And Aston Villa really did struggle the whole match with getting the ball um, from like basically transitioning from defense to offense. They had so many errant passes, kind of looked like Newcastle uh, in the first half of the season. Uh, so many errant passes that just completely ruined counterattacks. It was incredibly frustrating to watch if I was a Villa fan. Um, but this was another one of those where um, Newcastle were able to pick up the ball and uh, ASM set up Matt Ritchie. Um, and his shot was blocked from distance. Um, and before that, uh, John Joe Shelby, and this was kind of where Villa felt it clear, John Joe Shelby took a shot from distance. So Newcastle started to get their first shots on board after not having a shot on goal for the first 30 minutes. They quickly got two on target. Um, and then after that, all in the same run of play, Alan St. Maximin, again, very dangerous, gets himself a ton of separation, takes on two defenders, um, beats them both, and swings in a delicious cross 
Um, this was the talk of the town. Swing's been a delicious cross that um, Richie and Joel Linton were crashing for, but neither one of them could really get anything on it. Um, I know this is a key moment in the match, kind of solidified Newcastle's place in this match. I know, Brian, you're nodding your head right now. <laughs> Thoughts on that little run of play there? Everything about ASM today showcases exactly why. Um, I'm going to go on a limb and say he's a top 10 midfielder in the league. Oh. Because okay, he... you want to go top 10 winger? Touch him winger, okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because just the way he moves on the ball, the way his feet are on the ball, those chances, whether he misses them or not, they're the reason why Newcastle's going to score. Yeah. So we didn't get it this match, but the way, and it, I think that was just the way that the defending was for Villa. They were just kind of back, and both, you know, Joe Linton and Mickey, they just were kind of a little farther back, couldn't really get the goal out of it. But... ASM today was just perfect on the ball. You saw the strength of him just breaking those tackles. And because of that, it made Aston Villa take the focus off of some other players and put it on ASM. Yeah. Put it on uh, um, Maximin. So because of that, that enabled us to get open more. That really, and that helped Gale. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why Gale scored that goal. Yeah. So it's 100% Maximin is by far one of the best wingers in the league. And certainly the reason why Newcastle is able to get the goals that they do. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was a threat all day. And, and one player who actually really wasn't that much of a threat for the first half, um, and this kind of goes into the tactics piece I wanted to touch on earlier, was John Joe Shelby. And people were upset with John Joe for this. They're like, oh, John Joe's not getting involved, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But if you're watching the match, you could see, and I, I believe the commentators even alluded to this, what Villa were doing where they were completely man-marking John Joe um, for at least, for, well, honestly, they were trying to the whole game, but more effectively in the first half. So, John Joe really didn't get an opportunity to um, ping some balls out wide like he normally does, really switch the play like he really is able to play any sort of dangerous balls because he was never really receiving the ball. Um, Douglas Louise was in his pocket. Um, it was McGeady at some times. I mean, it was, they had so many guys who were just swifting off, man-marking John Joe, making sure he didn't get any of the ball, and really forcing Newcastle to try to generate offense without um, John Joe, which they were kind of able to do um, through ASM. But honestly, the only reason Newcastle were able to get involved in the second half was because John Joe was able to get involved as well. So um, moving on... Uh, ASM set up Richie for a, a, a long-distance shot. This actually was uh, the first shot that was on target, per se. Um, Richie's other shot was blocked. Um, but uh, ASM sets up Richie for um, this shot, and it's kind of, you know, a, a, and I wouldn't say it's a weak shot, but it's a, it's a low shot. Um, and this was kind of an interesting moment because uh, the keeper, Highland, didn't really have a great day. This kind of started it. Um, the shots, it's not a fairly difficult save but he does not catch the ball and instead kind of like fumbles the ball a little bit and Joel Linton actually able is able to pick it up and um then he uh he he gets the ball and it's and then it goes out for a corner or something after that um it, it goes off a defender off of, after a, a decent cross but um that was the first shot on target for Newcastle um basically 45 minutes in they get their first shot on target and then um Newcastle win a free kick um right outside not not outside the box but like i don't know how to say this but like off it's slightly to the left i guess in in the field um and they win this free kick uh and during this whole in 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 encounter um douglas louise somehow picks up a yellow card for pushing uh for pushing jamal lascelles it's a foul in the box but it's not a red um i'm I'm not really mad. It's not a red. I don't. I would be. It'd be interesting to see if that was red. I mean, I think part of it is because it happened before the before the run of play actually occurred. So I'm pretty sure that's the reason why it's not a red. But Louise has shown a yellow, um, and basically the free kick really doesn't <laughs> doesn't amount to anything. Um, and then after that, kind of to close out the the, the half, Matt Ritchie uh, cut cut inside and hit another slow roller. So. All in all, first half ends um, most, you know, for about 30 minutes, it was all Villa. And then for the last 15 or so, Newcastle really started to to gain some steam, gain some momentum. Uh, overall first half thoughts from you, Brian. So, yeah, I think within those first 30 minutes, Newcastle was able to kind of get an idea as to how they wanted to 
play Villa and how they wanted to kind of attack them. So after the 30th minute, you know, like you said, Newcastle started getting some shots on. They started drawing some fouls as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Douglas Louise, who just is an angry, angry yeah. person. <laughs> but um, so, I mean, you saw Mickey get tripped by him earlier on in the match, um, drawing a, a free kick. So I think overall it was really positive. It took a long time for Newcastle to kind of get their footing. But once they got it, it definitely made the match feel a little bit more balanced and gave me a lot more confidence that going into the second half, Newcastle was going to get something out of it. Yeah. So, but like you said, John Joe was ridiculously marked. Just there was no way John Joe could get in the game early on. There's everything about Aston Villa's defense was making sure Newcastle couldn't play through him. So that really did kind of make Bruce and the Bruce and team like change up their tactics a bit, move around a little bit more and differently and you, you could tell they were kind of playing around the ends they weren't playing through the middle yeah um so that's how they were trying to go about it so i thought it was a really good good first half yeah i'd say it's a solid first half it's the newcastle game plan to a t uh for about the first 10 to 15 minutes they're going to pack it in and make it very difficult for you and they'll be a little bit more adventurous around a 30 minute mark um but then you know in the last 15 newcastle tend to try to to, to get forward a little bit more um, and all and all of this is it, it it's I mean as much as people hate Steve Bruce's tactics it, it's this is actually how his tactics are supposed to play out he wants to be solid get a firm base and it's part of the reason until this game Newcastle hadn't let in a goal at home since January um, they're just so solid and so frustrating for teams to break down and once teams start running out of ideas that's when Newcastle tend to pounce and so moving on into the second half. Um, Newcastle started with a bang. Alan St. Maximin immediately takes a shot uh, <laughs> within the first five minutes. Um, and this comes after uh, Trez takes a – well, actually, that was quite the end of the first half. So I'm going to talk about that. But he had another shot on goal that was – well, it wasn't on goal. It was off target. Um, but anyway, Newcastle started the second half with an Alan St. Maximin um, shot. Um, and then also just a beautiful play uh, for Rose to set up Miguel Amaron, who's about six yards out takes a touch, takes a shot, and it's um, deflected out of play by Tyrone Mings. Um, do you have any thoughts on just how Newcastle started the second half? Um, I think Mings was really hurtful to Newcastle yeah. to start off the second half. But that made the match extremely more interesting. No, I think Newcastle basically just they left the first half feeling confident and they came into the second half continuing to do what they were going to do. Um, I don't think anything was going to change that game plan. They knew exactly how they wanted to start attacking. And so they did it, and that game plan ended up working for them. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a really good start to the um, second half yeah. and really set up the tone for how Newcastle was going to play the rest of the match. Yeah, and I think there would be a lot of people that said Miguel Maron shouldn't have taken the touch there. I'd have to agree with them. Um, you had so much space in terms of, like, you just have so much in the sense of, like, you only have so much space um, to operate when you're in the box with three or four defenders around you. And uh, he has to hit that first time, even if it's off target. Um, again, especially since it was coming in from the left and it was his, he'd used his left foot to set up his right foot. It's kind of like just take the shot with your left, especially if you're left footed. Um, so then uh, Alan St. Maximin again uh, takes, just has one of the, the best runs I've seen out of any player uh, playing for Newcastle this season. All starts with uh, Mankio intercepting a pass, um, playing kind of covering for center backs, actually. Uh, Came in, um, intercepted a ball from a really poor Grealish pass, um, takes the ball up the pitch, plays Miggy. Miggy plays ASM. ASM cuts in from the right-hand side, just absolutely destroys the ankles of about two or three defenders, gets a shot off um, from distance, and it is deflected. Um, and well, actually, no, that one goes over. It was, yeah, he just missed. He just missed the target. But again, great run by ASM. And at this point, Newcastle look like they're about to score. Um, and everyone's clicking. Almiron's getting involved. Joel Linton's getting involved. Um, and I mean, that was probably, you know, one of the best runs of the season I've seen from any Newcastle player, like I said, from Alan St. Maxman. And I'm not surprised there. Greg, I know you're not Greg, Brian, geez. I wanted to say Greg because Greg's usually here with me, but you're Brian, so that was awkward. Anyway, Brian, I know you mentioned how great Alan St. Maxman was. I mean, thoughts on that run? 
Yeah, just I think at that moment too, it was that run that kind of changed Villa's game plan into we're going to keep Shelby quiet to get ASM away from yeah. the offensive, get ASM away from my defensive line. Um, that that secured ASM's place as a threat in this match, mm-hmm. where John Doe Shelby was no longer like the focus of Villa's game plan. It, it had to become um, ASM. And that run was just fantastic, and I kind of wish more had come from it. Mm-hmm. But I think, really, it was just a game-changer for Newcastle to have that run. It changed the entire dynamic of the match and definitely cemented Newcastle's place as, you know, the front-runner moving forward in the game. Mm-hmm. The fact that, like you, like you said, you could just tell Newcastle was on the, was on the brink of scoring, and that run really solidified that. Yeah, and um, so another player who had actually a, a solid day and, 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 about, and unfortunately gets subbed off after this, but, I mean, maybe not, unfortunately, was Joel Linton. He had a, he had a pretty solid outing. Um, he, had a, he had a chance in the 37th minute that a lot of people were talking about. It was, honestly, the confidence that we were hoping to see from Joel Linton all season, um, but he essentially gets the ball. Um, so I think it was Shelby who set him up, um, and he beat two defenders off the dribble, um, Gets through clear on goal. I mean, and then Mings out of nowhere with just one of the tackles of the season. And I mean, I, it was honestly, there's nothing else you can really ask for Joel Linton. He beat his man, made the perfect run, then dribbled past two defenders, and literally Mings just had the the time of his life. And that was in the first half. And then throughout the match, Joel Linton was able to get in some really dangerous positions. Um, was really involved in the buildup, really involved holding up play. So honestly, a solid match from him. But unfortunately, he was subbed off. Um, in the 64th minute, and again, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's unfortunate for him, I guess, but I, for Newcastle, it was fine. Uh, Andy Carroll makes an appearance in the 64th minute, and then um, right after that, Dwight Gale is subbed on for Matt Ritchie, who goes down with a bit of a knock. Um, so both you have Gale and Carroll on, and Newcastle change formations here again. Uh, well, not again, but they change formations to essentially a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-2-2. Four two 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 yeah um with Gale and Carroll playing up top with um at first Carroll slightly ahead of Gale but that kind of shifted um and then Miggy and ASM um sort of out wide behind them and again that's why you can say it's either a four two 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 or four four two because in defense Miggy and, and ASM were clearly playing as as wide midfielders but in attack it seemed like they kind of had free range and then um the holding midfield of course staying the same with Shelby and, and Hayden. Um, but Gail and Carroll come on, and within two minutes of Dwight Gale coming on, in 69th minute, he scores. Um, Carroll is able to pick up the ball, plays a brilliant pass into to Dwight Gale. Absolutely awful defending from Aston Villa. But um, again, all the attention was on Andy Carroll and Alan St. Maxman. As you kind of alluded to earlier, Brian, Alan St. Maxman had dribbled the ball down the wing and played um, Andy Carroll. There was like four defenders for two players <laughs> and that made it a one-on-one matchup for, for, for Dwight Gale and Andy Carroll just had to play one of the easiest balls he's had to play all season. And Dwight Gale's threw on goal and scores his first goal in 29 premier league matches. So yeah, Newcastle go up one, nothing thoughts on that goal, Brian. It was a really good goal. Mm-hmm. It was the confidence that you want to see from a striker. Just he knew where he wanted to put the ball. He beat his man. He had the angle. It was just bad defending on Villa's part that enabled us to get to that point. Um, but, you know, those are the chances that you want to take advantage of. Every team has that breakdown in defense, and that's where you score most of your goals. Villa had that breakdown, and Gale had the ability to finish. It was just fantastic. But, yeah, like I said, seeing four Villa players on two Newcastle players just showcased just how concerned Villa is on that side of the pitch mm-hmm. with ASM. And Andy Carroll, I think you shared earlier today, Andy Carroll has how many assists now? He has four assists now. Exactly. Leads the team in assists. He has been doing a fantastic job kind of selling into a new role of playmaking. Instead of being the guy to score, you know, he's kind of creating chances for his teammates. And I feel so much more confident now with Carroll on the pitch to feel like Andy Carroll's definitely going to actually be able to find those openings and take advantage of ASM and Miggy and kind of be a good, you know, offensive player to really help take advantage of 
breakdowns in defense. And I'll say this, um, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll speak on this more a little bit at the end, um, but Andy Carroll and his best has been, um, he, he, when he's subbed on, he usually has an almost immediate impact. And I think that's also because Newcastle don't settle into changing their tactics. The, the games where Andy Carroll seems to be a bit of a ghost when he's subbed on is when Newcastle then revert to just hoofing it up the field instead of trying to play um, you know, direct, you know, try to actually create chances um, by passage to play. Um, and you kind of saw this. Um, after that initial goal, Newcastle's strategy was just hoof it up the field to Andy Carroll, and they immediately lost all sense of being a threat. And um, Villa were un- unfortunately able to capitalize on that. And in the most Villa way possible, um, Connor Harahan takes a corner, um, and it finds a near post, and... By some way, um, Muhammad El Muhammad uh, Ahmed El Muhammadi uh, gets his uh, his head on it and takes it near post. And um, I mean, I don't know who you want to fault here. Uh, you could fault Dubrovka, you could fault Shelby, uh, but either way, it's it's bad. Um, sneaks through two Newcastle defenders. Shelby's literally in front of it, miss kicks it, completely whiffs on on the ball. And it wasn't like this was moving with a lot of pace. And then Dubrovka goes right through his hands and kind of sneaks in. And Villa have tied it 1-1 in the 84th minute. Brian. Uh, I thought that Shelby kind of really hurt the view for Dubrovka. But it's not that Shelby was in the wrong spot. It's that he was at the wrong spot at the wrong time. Yeah. Just, you know, so, I mean, Shelby, he was doing his role. But just the way that the angle that the ball came and Mohamedy got his head on it, it was just head first into an angle that was impossible, I think, for Dubrovka to see. If I could have seen it from behind Dubrovka, right? Yeah. If I could get, like, a different camera angle and I could see exactly what was going on. Um, that is the most Newcastle way to go out of a match. It's just... <laughs> and it's the, happened multiple times this season it, where we've just all been the in time. control and we are 1-0 and then we give up a set-piece goal. <laughs> even last year with Rafa, there were some games where, like... Just Dubrovka had like a whiff, yeah. And um, so he needs to do a little bit better, um, covering that spot. I just think it was really unlucky. Yeah, I can't really fault anyone, but just the two players who were there, which is Shelby and Dubrovka, could have done better. But I don't, I don't have any ill will towards them. Yeah, following it. And it's I think just, it obviously sucks. I'm not that upset about it either because with 39 points Newcastle are practically safe, I guess you could say. We're, I think we're definitely safe. Yeah, I mean the the gap between the the bottom 4 and and Newcastle right now, I mean I think Villa and Bournemouth and West Ham are all sitting on about 27 or 28 points or something like that. Um but just I mean I, I don't want to fault anyone, but I, I roasted the Sheffield defender for completely missing the kick uh, that led to the Alan St. Maxman goal from Sunday. So I'm going to have to roast Shelby for completely whiffing on a, a very simple, obviously high-pressure situation, but in many cases, a, a pretty fair, a fairly simple clearance. And But to your point as well, it's a fairly simple save from Dubrovka, and it's not the first time we've seen him have some sort of whiff like that. Um Anyway, uh, so kind of closing things out. Uh, in the 90th minute, Newcastle had one more chance. It's probably the only other chance in the match for really either side. Um, and Shelby takes a free kick. Um, it's played in beautifully uh, to Federico Fernandez, who heads it over the bar. And that ended the match. Um, Villa had a couple more you know, attacks down the wing. But at, at that point, after the 84th minute, Newcastle were fine with playing with the draw for the draw. Um, I mean, they're just trying to get to that 40 point number. So they don't really care how they get there as long as they get there. Um, but overall, just before we go into break, your initial thoughts on, uh, on that match as a whole, where Newcastle kind of stand in the table, and then we can kind of talk about some other things after the break. So, yeah, as we mentioned before, there's a couple of things that really kind of changed, you know, how I saw the match was I feel like substitutions were made a little bit later than they should have been. Um, I think kind of leading up to Newcastle's first goal with Gale, mm-hmm. 
I probably would have attempted to change things up in midfield um, at that point. Um, probably within like the 70th minute, I probably would have thrown a Zaro on. And I, I, don't, I don't think I would have even have played Bentaleb. I probably would have um, just, just thrown in Lazaro. But yeah, I was a little disappointed with that match only because of the way it ended and Newcastle's tactics towards the end and the late substitutions. But all in all, like I said, it was boring. It was a boring match, but it was slow and productive. I think we really kind of learned a lot about, you know, Newcastle's synergy as a team. And definitely it still works, and I think it's going to continue to work. Yeah, I would say it's a good it's a good group of guys. I mean, um, they do certainly know each other, and, I mean, they were all genuinely incredibly excited for each other. I mean, everyone was super excited that Gale was able to score for the first time for Newcastle in, in nearly two seasons. So, um, great for all well, in the Premier League. But um, great for him, uh, great for all those involved. Um, and as it stands right now, Newcastle sit 13th um, with – 39 points um and if you compare this to last season um after 31 games last season they were they had 35 points and they were also in 13th um and this season of course after 31 games 39 points also in 13th so we're gonna take a quick break and we will be back right after this for newcastle fans everywhere this is the ultimate football app for you Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right. Um, so, Newcastle United and let's move. Newcastle United, of course, drew to Aston Villa, as we all know. Um, let's get into some quotes. Um, so, Steve Bruce, um, of course, it is post-game presser, um, and he had a few things to say, um, and a, a, a couple of key uh, things he said that will affect um, the Man City matchup uh, this this coming Sunday. Um, so first things first, uh, on the goal, he said, it's the first goal we've conceded at home in five games. If somebody had said we'd get four points from the first two games in these awful times, I'd accept it. Um, but we are disappointed. So overall, disappointed in the goal, nothing crazy there. Um, he also went on to say, I don't know how Alan St. Maxman does it, to be honest, but he's wonderful to watch. He looks fit. He looks lean. He's certainly done well again tonight, which, again, love to see that um, from ASM. And I would agree. Looks fit, looks lean, all that good stuff. Um, he also went on to say it's great to have two the two of them available, referring to Gail and Carol. Um, they've both been plagued with injuries, but hopefully the three months have done them a world of good. Uh, he also said that uh, I tried to buy Dwight Gale three times when I was in the championship, so I've been disappointed that he's been injured. I want him to stay fit because he has that knack of scoring goals. Um, and additionally, uh, Steve Bruce did confirm that uh, both Matt Ritchie and Isaac Hayden, who were subbed off, um, Hayden later on than Ritchie. Ritchie was subbed off in like the 66th minute. Um, both have soft tissue injuries. Their status for Man City at this time of recording, which we're recording this like right after the match. Um, at the time of this recording, no idea what their status is going to be um, for Man City. Uh, but is there anything else? Any other quotes you heard, Brian, or anything you want? Anything you want to say about any of those quotes? Any agreements, disagreements, et cetera, et cetera? Um, not really. Um, I think Bruce needs to be a little bit more confident in his ability to manage. Um, if okay. I were if I were a manager, I wouldn't be like, I'm surprised we got four points from the first two matches. Um, so, I, well, okay. He didn't say he was surprised. He said he would he would have accepted it. Like, he would like, be happy with the four points from the first two But, like, first so if somebody matches. had told me that this would have happened, I mean, I'm okay with that. No, it's, you know, but... Well, on, the, on the other hand, you've got a lot of teams who, like Sheffield, for example, who've picked up one point in, in three matches. Yeah, and Sheffield has not been doing well. So but, it's like I, I understand what he's saying because it is. Yeah. I think what his point was like, it's. I don't know if it's so much the team, but I think he's one. You're happy to pick up the points, and Rafa's made quotes like this as well. Do want to point that out, but I think also I think he's really more referring to the fact that it's a restart and it's essentially like starting a new season in the middle mm -hmm. of the year. So, but to your point, I do I do think he's kind of been a bit down on himself <laughs> recently. <laughs> so it could only happen to me when he only, when he got the, uh, when he had that win, but yeah. Um, and also about the injuries, that's concerning. Um, 
and I don't want to say it's probably because you played a ton of people back to back, but um, I think that that's going to be a little concerning going into Manchester City without Hayden um, and without Richie. Those are two extremely crucial guys that you want to have in your starting lineup. So it'll be interesting to see um, their availability and their status. Yeah. Um, so we're, I guess we can move on to stats now. Um, Aston Villa are the only team right now uh, who have not had an away clean sheet this season. Um, they've also won only two of their last, like, 20, I think, 24 Premier League away matches, which is absurd. So, um, unfortunately for them, uh, Newcastle have gone unbeaten 12 times in a row against Aston Villa at home. Um, and Newcastle have only lost one of their last 12 matches overall to Aston Villa. And that was, of course, the match earlier this season. Um, with that draw, um, fail, Newcastle have failed to win 24 of their last 27 Premier League midweek matches. And, um, of course, this goal was the first goal Newcastle have let in at home since January. Um, which is absurd. Um, but as Steve Bruce said, that's five Premier League matches. And of course, two FA Cup. Well, yeah, no, they let in FA Cup matches. Ignore that. And then, of course, um, one of the craziest stats of the day, um, for sure, uh, is Andy Carroll's assist record. So he has as many assists in his last eight Premier League games as, uh, as Medzut Odsil, um, in the last two seasons. And right now, Andy Carroll has more assists than, I don't know, a lot of Premier League players that you would say are slightly better than um, Andy Carroll. Right now, he has more assists than Alexander Lacazette, who has three, James Madison, who has three, Wilfred Zaha, who has three, Harry Kane with two, Mesut Ozil has two, and Raheem Sterling with one. Um, so, yeah, that's what I have for stats. Um, and we can get into a little bit of the expected stats, um, courtesy of our main man, Hoe, the stats, um, give Chris a follow at Howay underscore the, um, again, as I think easily the best, uh, Newcastle based like stat site out there, I'd say, um, just is, is great at breaking down things for new, for, uh, from a Newcastle fans perspective and making it easy for, for average fans like us to understand all the, the, the nerdy stats that, that really drive modern football. Um, so if you're looking at stats overall, Newcastle did have more possession, 52% possession, three shots on target to Villas, two shots on target, 13 shots to Villas, 14 shots, of course, a goal apiece. And Newcastle actually had the le- less expected goals than Aston Villa uh, with 0.63 to Aston Villa's 1.16. Um, that's all I have for stats, Brian. I don't I don't anticipate you having any other stats. No, I'm not <laughs> but, a stats guy. I would say, um, if you do... You can you can share them, but again, you you don't. So no, no, I have no stats here. Um, I think you all know I don't major in math, so oh, yeah. I'm gonna just back off and stay in my lane. <laughs> again, I I'm I'm with you. I don't really ever have stats. That's I leave that that up to Greg. Um, so um, let's see. And on closing out this kind of uh, review section of the pod um, or recap section of the pod. Uh, so we'll go with our best and worst players. Um, Brian, so you start off, if you have a worst player, I mean, again, you don't, and we've kind of gotten away from this. Not every match has a worst player. Um, but if you, if you could say there was a player that you felt underperformed for Newcastle today, who would that be? Okay. Um, underperformed, uh, won't be hard to say John Joe Shelby. That's not his fault, but I would say that out of all the players for Newcastle today, he was kind of the one that, um, had the least impact, um, and that's due to Aston Villa's game plan. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I think that the moments where Shelby was able to get free, Newcastle looked great. But you want more of that um, for the whole match. You really you don't want Shelby not involved. And and so far that during that match, he just wasn't as involved as involved as he normally was. Um, I mean, for me, geez, ah <sighs> oh, man, it's actually kind of tough. Um, I think I'll, I don't know if I have a worst player. I I, I mean, I'd want to say Mankio, but he also like 
came in pretty clutch in the last about 25, 30 minutes of the match. So I can't even really be mad at him for that. I thought Danny Rose was decent, much better than he, he's been in the past um, few matches for Newcastle, really starting to settle in. So I guess um, those would be, the I think, the players I think I saw with the most criticism on on, uh, on the Twitters. Um, it, who's you, who do you think's the best player you saw saw today? ASN. Okay. ASN is by far, you know, the best player on the pitch. Um, like we, we talked about him enough. I don't think I need to recap exactly just how important having ASM on the pitch is. So, yeah, I, I would say that you're correct um, with that. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to give a couple shout outs to a couple other players. Again, Isaac Hayden, uh, just unreal um, at Andy and I and, and our whole staff has kind of joked about this. At a certain point, you have to keep saying he's on. You, you have to stop saying he's underrated because he's just a good player. Like he's developed into a really solid Premier League player. And when we first bought him from Arsenal to and to play in the championship with us. I mean, he was, he was solid, but he was not, he was so limited in so many areas, um, really solid at, as a defender, but not offering a lot going forward. And he's, he's really added a lot in terms of his passing ability. And he's remained, um, a very good defender. Honestly, he's even gotten better. Uh, and so he's really fit the culture and attitude of this team. Um, I really do hope he sticks around. Uh, I, I think, um, as well, Joel Linton deserves a, a bit of a shout. Got into some really good positions today. Um, him and Matt Ritchie, both uh, both players who I've criticized heavily. Um, uh, honestly, pretty happy with how they've started the restart. Um, so shout out to them. And then I, I, Federico Fernandez, uh, really an unsung hero today. Had a couple really good moments where he he had some he cleared some just absolutely dangerous balls um, from. From Aston Villa, so giving him a shout as well. Um, and, and I think Danny Rose, I already mentioned this, and Hagman Keogh, uh started off a little rough, both of them. But honestly, as the especially during the second half, both came into their own. Uh, Danny Rose looked quite good. Um, and uh, Dustin from the Tottenham blog, uh, our Tottenham site for SB Nation, he warned us that Danny Rose would be a, a player that, that's going to win us some fouls due to just him being a, an interesting individual. Um, and he did. He won us like three fouls uh, for diving. So uh, shout out to Danny Rose for that. Um, so that's all we have on the Villa recap. We'll take a quick break and then we will come back and talk about Newcastle's potentially going to Wembley. That's after this break. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right. Um, now that we've got Villa out of the way, um, we can kind of move on to, I would say, bigger and better things maybe, or some might say maybe not as good. Um, but Newcastle do play Man City this Sunday um, in the FA Cup. Um, winner will go to Wembley for the semifinal. Will that be Newcastle? I don't know. But first, let's get into a little bit of lineup notes. So for uh, Newcastle, um, I think there's there's not uh, well not uh, okay. We'll restart for Newcastle. There's been two significant changes that again we don't really know at this current state um, how much that will really affect um, Newcastle. But um, uh, this Sunday, but Matt Ritchie and Isaac Hayden both um, seem to be out with soft tissue injuries. Um, and uh, in addition to that, both Longstaffs are still um, currently out. Now, that could change uh, down the line. Um, we could see one or both of them getting back fully fit. I think Maddie, um, and they've both returned to training, but I think it's a matter of getting them back in shape. Don't know if that will happen by this Sunday. I would. I'd imagine against Burnmouth on July 7th. However, um, they'll probably both be back in contention for a spot in the, uh, in, in the prim, not in the prim, but in, uh, in the team. Um, other than that, Kieran Clark is still injured. Um, and I believe that kind of ends all the injury troubles. Uh, again, everyone else is still available. Um, for Man City, things are a bit interesting because, um, they played Burnley this past Monday they won five nothing. Um, brilliant match from them, but it did result in a key injury for them. So um, Sergio Aguero has torn a ligament in his knee, likely his meniscus. So he's going to be out, and he's easily 
the most dangerous player for Newcastle, well, against Newcastle, he's he's got some sort of personal vendetta against Newcastle and seems to score every single time we play Man City. Um, so, again, he's out, uh, won't be playing. Um, they'll likely be looking to Gabriel Jesus. Um, Leroy Sané, Sané is not technically injured, but he doesn't. He's he's not interested in playing for Man City at the moment, um, and is probably about to uh, move to a different club. So he's probably a player that won't really have much of an impact, won't really make a difference. Uh, Phil Foden um, has picked up a knock. Eric Garcia, um, also in that Burnley match, uh, picked up an injury. Uh, you know, youth team defender type guy, and then Claudio Bravo, uh, backup keeper. Uh, he's also uh, been injured. So. Uh, that being said, for Newcastle, and we'll focus mainly on Newcastle here, do you see any sort of potential changes coming to the lineup based off of what we've seen? Do you think a formation change? Do you think there's going to be any new guys coming into the team? What are your thoughts? Okay, so, yeah, uh, I do see a change coming um, lineup-wise. I don't think tactics-wise, formation-wise, is going to change much um, to start. Um, so... I think really what's going to change right now is we have the two potential injuries with Matt Ritchie and uh, Isaac Hayden. <clears throat> Sorry. And I wish that Isaac Hayden would be ready. ready. Yeah. But I think going into the Manchester City match, I would have preferred the Sheffield United lineup. I would have preferred that same exact lineup against Man City. Um, with that being said, I don't take any issue with replacing Ritchie with, um, I think, maybe Valentino Lazaro or Nabil Bentaleb. I don't really trust Bentaleb um, in an FA Cup match right now. Um, and then replacing Hayden, 100%. I've, I'm feeling confident here. I'm looking through who I would prefer. And there's really no one I would prefer to replace Isaac Hayden. Um, if we can get... Shar maybe in the lineup, we yeah. can maybe change things around, um, and maybe play him up a little bit more. Um, yeah, and that that is something of note. Uh, they did put Fabian Shar in at a defensive midfielder against Sheffield. I mean, nothing crazy, but we've also played him at defensive midfield earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Um, again, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't particularly insanely impressive, and it was usually for about you know five to ten minutes to kind of close out a match. So worth noting, he can play there. Yeah, I mean, we also um, is Christian Asu fit? That is my bad yeah. for asking that question. He, he's fit. He is fit, so I mean, you know, we have him as an option as well. But I think trying for him to, keep, to almost score. Yes, <laughs> he will likely be co- close to scoring against any team he plays three times and not score. But oh. um, I don't really know. I was like I said, I was upset with the lack of a uh, rotation today. Um, and I think that that's going to give Steve Bruce a lot of questions going forward against Manchester City as to who's going to be fit enough to play. Um, and I just hope Joe Linton's ready because I have a feeling Joe Linton's going to be the starter. Yeah, um, I could see Joe Linton starting. Um, I, I, it could be an interesting matchup. I, I honestly see Newcastle reverting back to the five in the back formation for this um, just because the, the threat of City, it, it, it's... Their team, that's one, has struggled uh, against Newcastle, uh, who, like, in terms of just being able to break them down. Um, but, you know, that could be – I think that's something that's in play, five in the back formation, um, getting Cher back in there um, as, a, as a third uh, center back, especially with the lack of, of depth we have in other positions. Um, I could see Ben Taleb starting, um, but him having a little bit more defensive cover – um, with the three in the back that allows them to get a little bit more forward because you know Shelby's not really going to track back. Um, I think that could bode well for for, for one of them. Um, but again, we could also see one of the Longstaffs return. And, you know, I could see Sean Longstaff uh, making a return to the starting lineup alongside John Joe Shelby um, as well. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I'd say it's going to probably be a 5-4-1 with Newcastle trying to hit um, Man City on the counter with ASM, um, Miggy, and Joel Linton. Um, I could see Joe Linton starting the match off with Andy Carroll coming on in about the 65th minute or so. Um, Steve Bruce has alluded to the fact he doesn't want really to change too much of the starting lineup uh, until we get deeper into, um, like, I guess, uh, the season. Because this isn't really part of the Premier League season, but you, you understand what I'm saying. 
So I, I could see him not starting a Gale or a Muto, even though, you know, Gale might be in form or, you know, it might work better against City. I could see him still sticking with Jolenton as well. Um, in terms of what do you think Newcastle has to do in order to win this match against Man City? So, like you mentioned, Sergio Aguero's out. Um, yeah. I'm a big Gabriel Jesus fan. And oh. um, I think that you really need to um, keep him quiet. Um I think if Newcastle's defenders can kind of target Kevin De Bruyne and keep the ball up, like away from Jesus or try to box Jesus out a bit, you give yourselves a chance to maybe do something on a counterattack. Mm-hmm. But you have a ton of world-class players for Manchester City that's going to make it extremely difficult. So I, I do think actually five at the back is probably best, especially with a potential Hayden injury. Maybe going with five at the back is probably more productive. Um, but, you know, that'll be interesting to see. I think you have your target players that you need to kind of keep quiet and limit them to their chances. So if you keep De Bruyne quiet, you kind of keep the mainstay, the big part of where they play the ball through, then kind of force them to change up their game plan a little bit. I think yeah. that we have really good players in ASM and Miggy to take advantage of that and play fast up front. And I don't think Manchester City is going to be able to keep up with that if, you know, our game plan is solid. We have a really yeah. good speedy front, and I think that that's going to be crucial. And utilizing that to the best of our ability will yeah. can get us a win. Yeah, um, and I, I would add the last time we played Man City, the 2-2 draw that Newcastle I mean, honestly could have won. Uh, Gabriel Jesus did start and did have a pretty awful match and uh, in terms of, you know, by his standards. And again, I mean, that was a few months ago, and he's looked decent uh, since the restart. But it is, it is worth noting that that was very much a focal point of Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce's tactics the last go-around, um, completely shutting down Gabriel Jesus. Um, it did allow for guys like uh, Raheem Sterling to be a little bit more dangerous. David Silva had a decent match as well. And, of course, De Bruyne, uh, he was Kevin De Bruyne, so I, I don't really know what you can really do there. Um, but, again, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. And, I, and, for me, it's all about keeping that solidity at the back, um, not letting in uh, needless goals, not making needless mistakes on defense, which Newcastle have done thus far. But, you know, like, like of course, I mean, we say since the restart, but there's only been two games. They've only really given up a set-piece goal, which is, which is fair. And then even before that, not really – a ton of goals in the Premier League from open play. So if Newcastle can keep up that um, that that kind of streak of, of being solid defensively at the back and, and being super disciplined as defenders. I mean, you're seeing it not just from the back line, but a lot of guys are tracking back. ASM is tracking back to defend. A- Miggy's tracking back to defend. Um, even Shelby's playing defense now. So it, it, it it's something that I think is going to be of the utmost importance because the thing is with Man City, and Burnley saw this as well, even if you're a team that sits back against them, if they're able to make that initial breakthrough, they will just absolutely open up the main game because the last thing you want to do against Man City, as as tough as it is, is to is to keep the game open. Um, and Rafa's done this, and Steve Bruce has done this, and honestly, they're one of they're two of the only managers that have really like utilized this idea to its maximum to to its maximum potential in the sense that even if Man City goes up one nothing, they don't open up. They they keep it compact and they keep it so that the best thing man city is going to do is beat them one nothing and um so if they go with that mentality they'll be fine but as you see other teams like burnley who as soon as man city went up they decided to open up a little bit they end up getting thrashed five nil so you don't want that to happen if you're newcastle um again i think that's the key is is solidity at the back and uh, that comes with containing gabriel jesus and that comes with containing de bruyne and honestly that comes with de- containing Riyad Mahrez, who has been on a tear as well. Uh, he had an amazing match against Burnley. So we'll see what Newcastle does there. Um, predictions. Brian, what do you think the score is going to be? Any goal scorers you want to you name? or What do you think is going to happen? Are Newcastle going to Wembley? So um, you're putting me on the spot on that one. I'm just joking. You gave me plenty of time to think about this, and I have no idea. <laughs> you gave me plenty of time. It, really, I don't know. Uh, I, I would predict... A Newcastle loss, probably two one. I think Gabriel Jesus scores, and I think Raheem Skirt. Oh my gosh, Raheem Sterling scores as well. 
Um, I think our lone goal scorer, I am going to probably go with Miggy. I think Almiron might get a goal, and I think Almiron might be the opening goal scorer. Um, I think Newcastle gets off to a fast start, and they attack early and often. But I think that Manchester City, I think there's a breakdown in Newcastle's defense that allows Debrun and Jesus to take control. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I, I don't really foresee Newcastle winning. Um, I just, just based on how good Newcastle have looked in the four in the back, and I know that they can't really roll out that formation against Man City right now. And again, maybe that's changed. Maybe I'm just like being a negative Nancy because, again, the four in the back does work. I mean, we've used it for the last four or five matches, and it's, and it's yielded us good results. So I, I can't be mad at it. But then again, we didn't play – we didn't play a team with the attacking firepower of Man City in the past four or five matches. So, I mean, I mean yeah, I'm sure it's working against Southampton and Sheffield, who Sheffield have some have some solid players as well. Uh, and it's worked somewhat against Aston Villa. Again, Aston Villa's only threat is, is Jack Grealish really in attack. So, I don't know if you're going to be able to contain the likes of Mares and, and Sterling and, and Jesus and De Bruyne and um, they've even thought, talked about putting uh, Ek Gundogan up at striker. I mean, you don't even know what Pep's going to roll out, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to hope for the best, but I, I'm with you. I think there's going to be an early goal from Newcastle, um, likely off a set piece. I'm going to go share being the goal scorer, but I do think that Newcastle are going to end up losing this one. Um, I don't see us giving up three goals, but it could be three one. So that's going to be my prediction. 3-1. Call your bookmaker. Call your bookie. 3-1 win for Man City. Newcastle won't be going to Wembley because we'll be going to Wembley next year. (laughs) So uh, that's all we really have for this episode of uh, CHN Radio. Brian, any last words you have for the people? Thank you so much for reading and listening to Coming Home Newcastle. It means a lot to us here. Um, we just surpassed 3,000 Twitter followers, and we're still continuing to grow. So please continue to follow us and just keep being awesome fans, awesome readers, awesome listeners. Yeah, and of course, as always, um, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can DM any one of us, any of the accounts, or email us at chnradionufc.com. Um, I'm Elijah Newsom, and of course, as always, I need to make this certain guarantee, uh, Newcastle United will... The, the announcement of the sale of Newcastle United, United will happen either Thursday or Friday by 5 p.m. But yes, I'm Elijah Newsom. That is Brian Nelson, who is, I'd say, probably the second or third best co-host in the land, with me being <laughs> the best co-host in the land. Um, this is Coming Home Newcastle. Wait, that was wrong. This is CHN Radio. Away the lads. Love you guys. Like sitting inside a fridge But I wish I was on the case side Looking at the old time bridge I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're body and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river time. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Jody Heroes, there's so many famous names Like Linda Swan in Gaza Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for 
play your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the darkness in James's Park In the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine Walk the streets all day, I'll wait for a bottle of the river tide I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll wait for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again Brave the dog is in James's park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home.